game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page Jump. dynasty Jump. is the newest Jump. rage. Maybe you've played, Jump. maybe you've made a trade. Played list, and now these fish Jump. are all up Jump. on ya. I mean, you won three ships, Jump. they wish they had your. So, this is it. Jump. You wanna Jump. learn the game. Dynasty. 101 Jump. pick when Jump. it hits, you Jump. feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy Jump. championship. Dynasty. Hit the books, Jump. kid. Read Jump. this pamphlet Jump. called the Dynasty o o Owner's Manual. <laughs> It's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: C Chris Allen and A A Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, welcome back. I am Chris Allen, the co-host of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. And I'm Adam Wildy, the other co-host of the Dynasty Owners Manual Podcast, and I'll get us started with the foreword. We only have a couple things today, but primarily they recorded Best Ball Owners Manual. You've heard us talking about it a lot. Uh, that's Brad Reyes, and you'll know him as FF Madman. Um, they've recorded and uh, should be out probably by the time you're hearing this, so definitely check that out. That's going to be a lot of fun. Also, the last episode that you would have seen from us was actually a mashup episode with the Debbie Owner's Manual, the other Dynasty Owner's Manual family podcast, and uh, that was actually a first-round mock, but we did it a little bit different. We actually spent more time talking about our picks, the process of those picks, uh, why we're picking that position, where we picked it, so that's why it wasn't a deeper mock, but uh, those are a couple things to be excited about. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the best ball owner's manual, uh, that ju uh, that jumping off. So lo definitely looking forward to that and seeing what Brad and Jeremy are going to put out for us. And then the mock draft, that was a lot of fun, uh, chopping it up with both Andrew and Dwight. And then now that we're a part of the DLF family, I'm hoping that we'll be able to do a lot more, a few more collaborations with them as time goes on. But here tonight, uh, we're here with Mr. Shane of the Dynasty Football Factory, uh, Mr. Data Don't Score Points himself, to talk about uh, a couple of the things that I think when it comes to managing rosters, especially at this time of the year, when it comes to we've got the draft coming up here within the next couple of weeks, we've had pro days, we've had free agency moves, we've had a lot of activity going on in the, in the NFL, and with much more to come, it seems like player values seem to be shifting on almost a daily basis with we've got players uh, more or less I guess getting into their feelings over over on Twitter we've got other people trying to talk about running backs don't matter there's a confluence of a lot of the discussion that's currently going on on Twitter so we wanted to bring Shane in here tonight to kind of help us f sift through some of the information and more or less and really focus on the process for how you should look at dealing with your rosters at this time of the year. So Shane, just hopping right off into it, uh, I mean, is there at any point during the fantasy season, let's say even like right after the Super Bowl, kind of when everybody uh, walks into that hibernation period for fantasy football, is there any point in the offseason where you just stop looking at your rosters and you just say, hey, I'm just going to let this sit and I'm going to come back to it at, any, at some point in the future? Um, not for me, no. Um I mean, maybe it's a good idea for some folks, but I just find that there's too much going on all the time. Even the day after the Super Bowl, um, you have people 
overhyping, say, Malcolm Mitchell a few years mm-hmm. ago. Um, this year, maybe Sony Michelle. Um, so to me, there's always time to, to, to pounce on what's out there. Um, right after the Super Bowl, you know, then we already start talking about free agency and we're already looking at the rookies. Um, like you guys know on the Devi owner manual, you know, they, they've been looking at those rookies for a while, but then everyone else is getting caught up and it's like, okay, I really need to turn my attentions there. Um, should I be trading for draft picks? Um, so I don't think there's really ever a downtime for me. Now that doesn't mean that you have to make moves. But you should be assessing your roster at all times, especially if you're only in like 10 leagues. Yeah, and I was actually going to wanted to make that clarification or have you expand on that a bit further. So when you're talking about just looking at your rosters as they sit, I mean, you're not saying just right after the Super Bowl, you should be making trades or you should be hitting people in the DMs or anything like that, are you? No, you, you don't have to. I mean, if you see something out there... Um, just going back to the Sony Michelle thing, you know, he bought out during the playoffs. So if you're you're not high on Sony Michelle, that might be the perfect time to sell on him is the day after the Super Bowl. But there's no real impetus to do so. Um, you know, it's dynasty leagues. Everybody does want a break at some point, though, apparently, from what I hear. Um, <laughs> I guess it's a little different for guys like us because there there's really no downtime because you're always – between podcasting and writing and your leagues, you're literally always doing something dynasty related, but for a regular day-to-day guys that just, you know, they just play the game because it's fun. Um, You know, they want to win the money, but they don't need to stay up on every current event at all times. It's fine. You know, just sit tight. If your league is just has a couple months, quiet, like quiet meditation time, nothing wrong with that. No, no, and I think that's really, I think when it comes to managing your dynasty roster or just approaching fantasy in general, I think trying to at least uh, accumulate information, I think that's really the biggest thing that most dynasty managers should be looking at right now. We don't have to be making a trade every other day. Uh, shout out to Russ, uh, Dynasty yeah. Outhouse. Uh, but you know, we don't have to be making those moves on a daily basis just to making moves. Let's just understand how we value the players that are coming out. How about we try and figure out how we value some of the free agents that are going to be, might be moving or switching teams. Uh, so assessing your roster, figuring out where you stand, even in your league. Are you a contender? Are, have you completely fallen short? Are you in some of that, that purgatory where you might have been at 6-6 six and six or something like that throughout the season? So at least having that information on hand is really the, I guess, a critical piece that you will need to understand like moving into uh, the following season. And that might be where some folks find themselves at now with just a couple weeks before the draft. But now actually speaking of the draft, so we have, I would say, a pretty interesting rookie class that's coming in. So just with this... Uh, draft class in particular uh, are you finding yourself uh, just kind of waiting to see where some of these rookies land are you uh, are you, are you fixated on a couple of guys already or how are you now approaching uh, your rookie picks for 2019 well it's funny the top of my board is pretty set most of the leagues i play in are super flex um so it's pretty much kyler murray then Nikhil harry aj brown and then probably Hakeem Butler. After that, that's where it gets dicey for me. And I, I guess no matter how strong a draft class feels, 
I kind of feel like this is always the spot where you get to about 104, 105, and you start going, oh, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure who I want to grab here. Like, I, I had a rookie draft ongoing, or it might have ended by now. I don't know. I had two first-round picks and then called it a day. Mm-hmm. But uh, I saw Josh Jacobs sitting out there at the, uh, I believe it was the 107. So I said, well, you know, I didn't want him at 101. I didn't like him at 102. But at 107, I'll take that risk on him that he's going to be a guy that, you know, the NFL seems to love. So I don't because, you know, his production profile in college is fairly non-existent. And, you know, there's some injury stuff there. But NFL evaluators, as much as we like to make fun of them, at the end of the day, they're probably smarter than us. Or at least in charge. Yeah. And they get to make those picks. So if they're going to invest first round capital in them. He's guaranteed the whole value for at least two years, no matter how badly he does mm-hmm. in a rookie season. Right. And you know what's scary right now is uh, Jake Anderson did an awesome exercise where he took an actually pretty good mock, or at least somebody who tried very hard and not just uh, one of these clickbait mocks. He took it, applied it to the players, uh, pretended their landing spots were what they were, and then drafted accordingly. And it, it just goes to show you, so David Montgomery got drafted to the Vikings behind Dalvin Cook. Kind of relatively similar players. I mean, David Montgomery, I believe, is a little larger, but they kind of got the same juice, and that would be tough. And, you know, David Montgomery went in the third round, and he's somebody that we like in the first at the very least. I like him at least, you know, mid-first and when these guys land somewhere, it could just completely decimate your value, which is scary in Debbie leagues. I mean, I have my fair share of Debbie leagues with David Montgomery shares. So that's kind of why I wanted to bring up this topic, because there's definitely no time of the year where I can completely step back and say, you know what, I'm going to take a month off and just turn it off. For one, I can't because we do a podcast for two, your team could suffer because there are players that you can capitalize on. Um, if you don't believe in Godwin right now, you could make a lot of money on Godwin right now because there's not a lot going on. And his coach said a few things. Um, I think he's a decent player, but I'd probably be selling him. It would be a downtime for a lot of people. But when you don't take that downtime, you get to capitalize on assets like that. Um, but it is a time of the year that I do have to reel back. So, for one, I want to trade for running backs. I want to trade for a lot of guys right now. I want to trade for Dalvin Cook and Devonta Freeman are a couple of guys that I would like to be trading for right now. But somebody said a couple of years ago, and I've lived by it since then because it made a ton of sense to me, when it comes draft time, don't trade for running backs because their value could be completely decimated. Now, Cook's value is not completely decimated if David Montgomery went there. He might seed some touches. But some guys can just get completely demolished. Think uh, T.J. Alden wasn't very good, but he was the starter until Leonard Fournette came. So completely, you know, demolished after that. So that's one thing I'm doing right now is trying to reel back on at least running back trades. Shane, are you kind of waiting to see where people land for either the wide receiver or the running back position to make to make some moves on some guys? Wide receivers, no. Um, just one, you know, obviously they last longer than running backs because, well, they're not running in the 320-pound linemen or 220-pound linebackers that are built like tanks. Um, so they're going to last a little longer, obviously. And 
typically with the wide receivers, if it's a day one wide receiver, I don't care where he lands. Um, I kind of learned my lesson a little bit last year with James Washington. I was really big on James Washington. Same. Ends up in Pittsburgh, and he was dead to me. You know, I, was, I just completely – you're not even in the first round to me. Me too. Me too. Washington. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it's an extreme case, obviously. All of a sudden, you know, I think they traded Martavius that night, so probably before they even drafted him. But then, you know, he was still stuck behind A.B. and Juju. So what are the chances that he's going to ever surpass those guys? Well, A.B. lost his mind. So now he's got a shot. Now, yeah, they've added Dante Moncrief, and that could be a little troublesome, at least for targets thing. But, Mm -hmm. you know, just in general, wide receivers that are really good are going to – they're going to make their way up that depth chart. And NFL teams are going to give first-round guys and second-round guys chance after chance to fail. So, again, they'll hold some value. Now, the running backs, yeah, I I prefer to kind of wait on making moves there. Um I had two rookie drafts, and Jacobs, so far, I've had two rookie drafts. Uh, Jacobs is the one guy that, you know, I was a little iffy on because, like, the first draft I had was about a month ago. I didn't like him. But it's still, you know, you still hear all the talk about he's going to be in the first round. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, fine, I'll move up now and grab him. But the rookie draft I did a month ago, I just wanted a bushel of them. So, it's like Damian Harris, Justice Hill, like, just give me a whole – handful of them and one of them will end up somewhere decent hopefully right but yeah i mean imagine imagine justice well not justice hill but imagine david montgomery or even god forbid josh jacobs ends up in dallas sure right they're they're just okay you know not only are they not the starters but they're behind the running back that takes i don't know 97 percent of the carries Mm-hmm. Like Lev Bell in Pittsburgh and probably Lev Bell in, you know. Yeah, the worst Jets possible now. situation. Yeah. yeah, so it's just, you know, and that, that's scary at running back. Um, yeah, you know, the running back, he's only one guy in front of him. So there, there's, a you would assume, a better chance. But Zeke hasn't shown to be injury prone. And, yeah, yeah he's just, you're never going to get, if Josh Jacobs or either of those players go there, they're, they're going to see the field on special teams. And sure. that's it. Now, luckily, Josh Jacobs, that's not going to happen to him. It could happen to Montgomery, though. Right, it could, because once you get past probably the first round, those guys are – you saw Nick Chubb last year go to be a quote-unquote backup um, in the early second. So I think once you get past the first round, you are uh, capable of being a backup. Now, I don't think teams like to draft – backups in the first round because they don't like the stigma behind that because it is very important for general managers to hit on their first round picks so i think if if jacobs gets drafted in the first round i think you're completely right he's at least going to contribute in the first year but it's probably going to be one of those juicy landing spots i mean it's not going to be early so you're not going to get like the bucks per se but you could get a pretty good spot you could you could get a pretty good spot with them um, no, I was perfect. thinking, like, what about Atlanta? I mean, sure. love them there. <laughs> yeah, I would too. That would crush Devonta Freeman, which is why I'm not actively trading for him. Absolutely. But yeah, that would be, and that's a good good example of practical application for make your trades right now. And we'll get into a trade in a in a league with me and Shane to kind of get into some more practical application. But it was all wide receivers, and that's kind of one of the reasons. So let's get into. Uh, We've already discussed that we're not taking really any time off, so we're capitalizing on some of the stuff that's happening in the offseason, even though 
it's quote unquote dead sometimes. So Shane, what do you feel you should be doing in the off season if you finish say middle of the road? You've got the six, seven, or eight, something like that last year. Yeah, it's time to assess your roster. Hopefully, you're playing on MFL, who makes assessing your roster and your actual. I don't want to say talent level, but I guess how good your team actually is with the play all percentages and the, I mean, there's a few other tabs on there. I can't think of off the top of my head, but MFL sets it up self perfectly for dynasty. And I guess it's one of the things we don't talk about as much when we talk about their site, but they do allow you, they have the tools where you can look at your team and go, you know what? I, I was six and six or six and seven. Um, but really I should have been about three and 10 cause this team is trash. Like, mm-hmm. you know, based on my play all, uh, I, I really should have been three and ten. Maybe I need to just blow this up. The few assets that I have, maybe I have a player like Philip Lindsay who played over his head last year, who was an outlier. Let me go sell those outliers now. Um, it's possible that they're going to continue to be outliers, but likely not. That's why we call them outliers. Um, just trying to determine how far away this team is from winning. Um, like you guys said, being stuck in the middle is literally the worst place to be. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be the middle of the pack every year because even the rookie picture getting our middle of the pack. Right. Mm-hmm. And the hit rate on those is just it's it's not as good as you would expect it to be. And look at what you said earlier. I mean, your your top four is the same as me, except for I'm flipping Hakeem and AJ. I mean, I love AJ, but I've said that my my wide receiver one is it's going to have to depend on landing spot because. I like Harry, AJ, and Hakeem so close-knit um, that I'll let landing spot decide it. But after that, we both agree that I'm not super excited for many people past four or five, unless these quarterbacks get a good spot. But then again, chances are you weren't a quarterback away last year. The good thing about quarterbacks, which if you play in a lot of super flex leagues, you might agree, you might not, but... The best quarterbacks, well, let's not say the best. Mahomes had probably a significant more points per game. But the middle of the road quarterbacks are only scoring two more points than the worst quarterback. So that doesn't really help you a lot when uh, Haskins gets a great landing spot and goes at 105. Like, sweet, you got a quarterback, but now you get two extra points than you did last year when you were rolling out Fitzpatrick slash Winston. You know what I mean? So. Once you get past that four spot, it's tough. Why wouldn't you just um, blow it up, like you said, and trade uh, up, you know, or down for a lot? Yeah, I'll tell you, with the this draft class, it's weird because it, it's just that hole in the middle of the draft for me where I'm like, you know, I might like these players, but I don't want to have to draft them here. Like, I shouldn't have to draft Noah Fan at 106. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and quite honestly, if I'm on the board and it's 106 I'm, and Metcalf is on the board, I'm probably going to snatch up Metcalf because of yeah. at least his upside. And, yes, he, I know his down, it comes with the, the the dangerous floor of Kevin White and Brashard Perryman. Sure, but it's mm-hmm. fine there. Yeah. Yeah. But at 106, what you know, I mean, at that point, I'm, I'm already middle of the pack. I might as well take a shot on a guy right. that can exactly. make a difference yeah. as opposed to – and you wouldn't draft him this high, obviously, but just an example, a guy like Debo Samuel, who sure. is probably going to be you know a nice little player, and I could see an upside of 13 points a week, but, mm-hmm. you know. I, I can get that guy pretty much any day of the week anywhere where Metcalf has the ability at least to have those 40-point weeks that just win a game all by himself. 
And let's say that Jacobs went to a murky situation and you're sitting there at six and you're looking at DK and Jacobs. It's obviously too late to trade up. If you were middle of the road, especially if you've been middle of the road for a while and those two players are similar in value, take the upside. Because I think uh, I want to say that Ryan talked about this on the Dynasty Blueprint, but if you're in the middle of the pack, you need a game changer. So, you know, if if he went if Jacobs goes to the Chiefs, then yeah, obviously take Jacobs. But if he goes somewhere murky, but he's better than DK as a prospect, I would probably be taking DK there as well. Uh, something else that you mentioned that reminded me uh, something I wanted to mention earlier is that this year the popular thing has been uh, to trade back. A lot of people are mentioning trading back, but I think that pertains more so to the late first, early second than it does the early first. I, I want to take these early first picks. That's what uh, I was going to ask, because yeah. are there a lot of prospects that we're seeing go in the mid to late second that are, are really going to be worth I mean, worth our while to trade back out of the first round for? I just I haven't seen – I don't think the depth is really there like it's been there in past classes for the 2019 season. Late first, sure. Yeah, late first, but I'm talking like mid second, late second. I'm just not, no. I'm just not no. seeing it. no. No, late, because late first or early first is what I think everyone's trying to get at without actually being exact. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is, is you know, usually you can hammer running backs in a rookie draft. It, it feels like even in the late, you know, throughout the second and the third, there's still kind of guys you can grab that, you know, are, should have an opportunity or going to be at least a backup. But outside of you got Jacobs, Montgomery, Miles Sanders, and then after that, it's just kind of like a cliff. Rodney Anderson would be great if I thought he could play more than five games in a row without. Right. Without yeah, him, Daryl Henderson. Uh, yeah, right. Travion Williams. But yeah. It, it's just all these guys and, you know, a few people have written this. Just It seems like even the wide receivers, I'll note this on, but every one of these guys seems to have something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, you know, last year, DJ Moore, to me, is at least a wide receiver prospect. He was perfect. He had the perfect college production. He had perfect athleticism. You know, there's just – he was the perfect prospect. There was – I think people dinged him for route running or something. Yes, I, I forget. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's – it wasn't It wasn't even like, oh, no, no, he's, you know, Doriel Green-Beckham right. type mm-hmm. of route runner. He was just, you know, a, a, not, you know, uh, Calvin Ridley. But this year, it feels like there's guys with like gigantic holes. Like, I don't really worry about DK Metcalf's agility. I don't care about that. Like, the guy's a, a, a freak of nature. I don't care if it sure. takes him an hour and a half to run the three cone. But his propensity towards injury scares me. And the yes. fact that he got outplayed by AJ Brown and Demarcus Lodge when they were on the field is a little concerning. But he is, you know, he is still a monster. AJ Brown, I love. He might be a honestly the the best prospect or the most complete prospect most complete. i was gonna say that yeah I, I agree with that but actually now that we got on that topic uh d- this is a complete aside from the topic of this evening but can you guys give me your thoughts on marquise brown because i'm i'm hearing this mm-hmm. first round lock discussion and i'm just not understanding it for an undersized receiver i mean he's what like 170 pounds 166 right so for for an undersized receiver, I mean a slot receiver, uh, I'm I'm hearing traits of explosiveness. I'm hearing all these all these wonderful things, 
But for me, I'm just I'm trying to understand from either a production or trait standpoint how he becomes the lock for the first round over any of the receivers that we've discussed so far. I'm just not seeing it. I got nothing. Um, I was listening to UTH either yesterday or today. I forget. And all the days blending together, and I don't even remember if it was a patron <laughs> episode or a free one. But they were talking about who was actually invited to the NFL draft, and I think there was only a couple of receivers, and Marquise Brown was one of them. Yep. And it's just mind-boggling because, you know, people do keep comparing him to Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. Except Deshaun mm-hmm. Jackson was much better in college. And Deshaun Jackson, he's smaller, but he's not elfin size like Marquise no. Brown. Right. And I don't care about how tall he is. It's that that one allegedly 170, but I'm really 160. Because yeah. that's the type of dude, like, it literally takes one shot for someone to crack his ribs mm-hmm. and he's going to collapse a lot. Right. So I think that if Marquise Brown was 25 pounds heavier and an inch taller, he would be one of, we would be talking about it being a top five instead of a top four. Um, I don't have problems with Marquise Brown. I, he's not one of the players I'm taking a stand against. He's very talented. You can watch the film and say, okay, I understand. Um, I'm not angry at him being evaluated the way he is by the NFL. And he's supposed to be the little bit of Deshaun Jackson, a little bit of Tyreek Hill, and the type of thing where if Kyler Murray owes Russell Wilson for getting him the first overall pick, then Marquise Brown might owe those couple small guys for getting him in the first round. However, Deshaun Jackson is very impressive at getting off of press coverage. He is a tough son of a bitch. And I don't think that I've seen that from Marquise Brown. But, man, he, he looks good. He runs clean routes. Uh, he's faster than everybody on the field. At, somebody showed a clip on Twitter the other day that uh, legitimately looked like the rest of the people on the field were in slow motion. Um, <laughs> and Marquise Brown. So they gave him about 10 yards of uh, cushion. The safety did, actually. That was a poor decision. But the safety gave him about 10 yards of cushion. Uh, Marquise Brown went about 10 yards and did a stop and go broke the safety's ankles from about 10 yards away, ran past him for a a 40 yard touchdown. It's just, I see it, but Shane hit the nail on the head. I think he is legitimately so small that I can't get on board just because of how physical the NFL is. Everything else is great. If, if it's just practice shorts and pads, he's going to be one of the best players on the field. No doubt about it, but he's like Taylor Gabriel small. Right. I was, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm having flashbacks to John Ross, like with the way that the NFL is valuing him and, and, and how we're going to and how he might wind up getting drafted. I mean, what's what's the difference? I mean, honestly, like, tell me what the difference is between uh, how we're looking at Marquise Brown versus how the league viewed John Ross a couple of seasons ago. And I guess I, I'm just coming up. I'm just under, I'm trying to figure out why we're doing this again. And it's only been a couple of years and we've seen what happened. He's more well-rounded than John Ross. I'll give him that. Sure. I, I think he's, I think John Ross was more impressive at what John Ross did. Um, but also put John Ross on a team that gives him one carry in his rookie season, lets him fumble it, and then doesn't give him another chance. And you <laughs> he what was, was put he into the do? worst possible situation. Yes. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking about how NFL talent evaluators are probably better at it than us. And then um, as we're discussing this, I, I immediately thought of John Ross, too. But, yeah, I know that uh, Marquise Brown is actually a much better route runner. And, um, yeah, he 
the speed is it, it is obscene. Like there, there's no cushion that you can give him that's enough because he's still going to eat that up and he's just going to use it against you because you're just playing in fear. It's just, yeah, I mean, if he was, I, I don't even need him to be taller. Just give me like 10 more pounds so I don't, right. like, I'm not actually afraid right. for your life. Mm-hmm. Now, Literally, right. Yeah, you can't hit what you can't catch. So there is that. And, you know, I'm assuming whatever team drafts him is going to be smart enough to say, you know what, let's not run this guy on a slant over the middle. Because he excels that. That's the scary part. He yeah. does excel at things <sighs> like that. So, they're going to see that he's a complete receiver, but why draft him when you could have drafted? I would just feel so much more comfortable with someone like Hakeem Butler. I, all the things that Marquise Brown does well, Hakeem Butler can do except for being that fast. So I understand if you needed a field stretcher, but he's better than a field stretcher. Mm-hmm. So really, you have to roll him out there. You have to play him like a wide receiver one, but – that's going to send him over the middle, and that's going to get him demolished. I mean, let Vontaze Burfick lay a hit on Marquise Brown. That's what's scary, and that's why he's not in that top five discussion. Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to think, though. So we did mention Tower Gabriel, and he's a guy that does go over the middle. Like, he kind of does everything. And, I mean, I don't ever really remember him getting destroyed. Now, he's not uber productive. He's had stretches where he's been pretty good. Now mm-hmm. I'm kind of talking myself into Marquise Brown. Because there's also <laughs> yeah. the fact – He's been this small his entire life. Like, he's used to being the tiniest thing around. Do you know what I mean? So I'm sure, like, muscle memory or whatever you want to call it or just, you know, um, evolution or – Yeah, at some point you you learn how to protect yourself. Yeah. Um, Obviously, the NFL, it's faster than college, and the players Mm -hmm. are obviously the greatest in the world, so it's kind of night and day, but – yeah, I, I'm going to keep falling for draft capital, I think. If someone yeah, ends up drafting him in the first. Yeah. I just want the NFL to make it easy for me, though. How about they send him somewhere like he – well, maybe not. He ends up on a team like the Eagles, where I know all he's going to do is be a deep threat. So I'm like, all right, no, I don't really have to worry about because he's going to only get two or three catches a week. So right. you know, I'm not going right. to draft him. But if he ends up somewhere where there's opportunity, it's going to be, oh, geez, do I really want to pass on this guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fear for him to line up against someone who like like Jalen Ramsey that's just going to just dog him all game and I, f- I fear for him holding up for that. I just think there's too much that we're not gonna know. And maybe we're this is a problem with the the little the little low point in the season where we have to talk ourselves into these narratives because there's nothing else to go on. We've absorbed all the information that we can nothing to do until the draft the draft is going to completely decimate our boards probably i'm just saying i'm not going to get completely off marquise brown because if he weren't so small i think that he's a great wide receiver I but think- he, he's got it i'm i'm going to be worried even if i draft him i'm going to be worried yeah so i remember last year too um and obviously there are different types of receivers um but a lot of people talked about how thin calvin ridley was and I would say, you know, he's, a, you know, I would say things like, you know, he's a great route runner. I don't really care if he's not a physical marvel. Like there's some things that you can do through route running that are just going to get you open. Um, and I was told a few times that, well, you can't run routes on your ass. Well, guess what? That wasn't a problem for him last year, was it? And a guy like Marquise Brown, too, who's a good route runner and then has that first step that can just 
like you said earlier, break your your ankles. Mm-hmm. It might not be as able. You might not be able be able to get hands on him. And he's you try to press him, he's just going to blow by you. Yeah. So now I've talked myself into Marquise Brown in the first round. Great. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, the, I would be tempted to take him in the late first I right now. Too. Yeah, I mean, as much as I like, I mean, some of the guys that I'm hearing in the discussion JJ. for the yeah JJ. I mean, he's the prime candidate at least for me coming out of mm-hmm. the first round. But I think like both of you guys have already mentioned beforehand. I mean, draft capital speaks volumes to us as to how we're going to value them moving forward, like after the draft is completed. So mm-hmm. if he winds up going in the first round and then the second round brings the Nikhil Harris, Hakeem Butler's DK, like all those other guys, then yeah, I mean, we're going to have to, we're going to, ha- we'll be forced to value Marquise Brown higher than what we're discussing right now. And it's just, that's the way it's going to have to be. And you know, if he's, if he's at the bottom of the first round, fine. You're looking at a 30% hit rate anyway. And it's, right. it's back to that. You know what? If I'm going to miss fine, but if I'm going to hit, let it be a giant, big old hit. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know, the second rounds where I'll load up on running backs or sure. usually, you know, mm-hmm. or the early first, but this year we don't really have that running back class for it, but yeah, you know, it's screw it. Go big or go home. Yeah. And the, the last thing before we transition, bringing this full circle, is that we started the conversation by saying, I, I said, I don't think that people are advising you trade out of your top five picks or your top four picks because I think those are very strong picks. But the middle pack is not that great. And Chris and I have both stated that we like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. But if it's between him and Marquise Brown, I'm probably just going to trade back and take the cheaper of the two, and then maybe I get two first or two second round picks. Maybe I turn uh, Marquise Brown into JJ Stiga Whiteside and Irv Smith, and Irv Smith landed on somebody said the Titans. Sure. Okay. Um, so then I'm getting you know one of my top three tight ends, and then the wide receiver that I had to flip a coin for, anyways. Right. That's when I advise the trading back. Just not so much. The first four, I think, are very solid. I, I think you have a good chance of hitting one of these first four. But we talk about big names in the in the rookie world. Now let's get back to our rosters in the off season. Let's talk about the top of startup drafts right now. Um, Shane plays in mostly superflex. I do as well. I'm pretty sure Chris does as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say. My top three positionally are Mahomes, Barkley, and DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you can talk some other guys up outside of DeAndre Hopkins, but for the sake of this, I just want to hear your thoughts, Shane, on when you should trade for these players and when you should trade away these players. So this is fortuitous, but I actually, and I know you don't know this, but I, I dropped an article for on Fantasy Pros today about sell-high players. Um, one was Sony Michelle and the other was Patrick Mahomes. Um, <laughs> and mostly because his value is just absurd right now. Um, you guys see people, John Bosch's poll earlier today? Yeah. yeah and, in one QB. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah and that was the 101 versus and Mahomes. Yep. He was winning handedly. Like it was 70 to 30 the last time right. I saw him out. It might have normalized after that, but it should be. It shouldn't even been that way ever. It should have been completely they the other way. Flipped. Yeah, yeah. Like in a one quarterback league, that that doesn't make sense to me. In a super flex, uh, okay, fine. Yeah, but sure. yeah, so you know, I, I to me, he's in that first tier. He, he's he's amazing, but there's no reason to think that Baker can't do what he did this this coming year. There's no reason for me to think that Carson Wentz can't do 
what Mahomes did last year. Mm -hmm. Mahomes will be a perennial top five to eight quarterback, but everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people are acting like he's just got QB one locked down for the next decade. And he's going to be outscoring everyone by five and a half points again. And that's not real. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So I'm advocating, look, if someone's got Deshaun Watson and they're willing to trade, you know, and they want to throw in a little extra to get Mahomes, take it. And by a little extra, I mean, be greedy because mm-hmm. the Mahomes theme is real. Yeah. Like, try to get a, a wide receiver one thrown in and see what mm-hmm. happens. I don't care. Start the conversations there because there's some people. And I looked on the DLF trade finder for this. I, I saw one trade in a one quarterback league. It was uh, whatever it was. But it was basically like sam- someone gave up. Just a ridiculous amount of uh, capital for Mahomes. And I think he's, like I said, a great quarterback. But just slide down in the same tier, go get another one of the young guys and get a wide receiver two thrown in and mm-hmm. call it a day. Yeah, I think that would be a wonderful way to try and, I guess, boost your roster. And as we talked about it earlier, you might have you might be in different situations. So in using some of the tools on My Fantasy League, you might be able to find out, yeah, you did better over expected. Uh, you're still down at the bottom of the barrel. So the different types of rosters, uh, they might change depending on your situation and how you ended up after the 2018 season. So what sort of roster would you need in order to warrant trading away some of those players that we just discussed? So like Mahomes, uh, Barkley, Nuke, I mean, any of those types of players. I mean, what, what type of roster would you would you have to have in order to do that? Or what would trigger that for you, Shay? Well, Mahomes... I'll do it on any roster, um, to be quite honest with you. Totally agree. I was going to say the same thing. Barkley, I mean, frankly, if I just don't have a team with anyone else but him, I love him, and the guy could put up, you know, 30 points a week next year. But if he's the only superstar I have on the team, and then, like, say my my wide receiver one happens to be Robert Woods, who's a very good player, but he shouldn't be a wide receiver one. My best Mm -hmm. running back is Mark Ingram. You know, I, I might not have a shot. You know, right, these yeah. are decent. There's decent players behind them, but not the type that are going to win a championship. You got to have at least a couple superstars to win a championship. Um, Nook's another guy. I like him. I think he's a very fine receiver. I just think people elevate him over other receivers for reasons that I'm not clear on. Like OBJ, like people act like they're in two different. Sh- Two, two different universes when well, when OBJ is actually able to play I got news for you he's actually better than Nook now yes he has injury concerns but you know Bonte Adams he, you know the guy was he didn't he scored in double digits every game last year right. mm-hmm. uh, he averaged 15 points a week and then he had weeks where he dropped 40 so if I can make a trade you know and it'd be a small one but if I could trade Nook for Devontae Adams and a second round 2020, right. I can do that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Try to gather some. So I, you're really just picking like $100 versus 99.99. It's really at that point when you're talking OBJ and Nook, I think the difference between the two is just that you, I think that there's going to score similarly and that Nook might give you an extra game. That's all that. I think the real argument I've been trying to have is Devontae Adams against Michael Thomas because it's always the quarterback situation that's cited with those top guys because they're also good. So we have to pick something outside of their control, and uh, it's typically the offense and it's typically the quarterback situation. So I, 
Like, why why not trade Michael Thomas for Devontae Adams? And like you said, even a third, a 19 third or something like that, just to get another shot. So uh, to recap, Mahomes, I think you can sell him anywhere. And the reason you can sell him anywhere is because somebody tweeted earlier, I really need to start writing down who are saying these things, but somebody <laughs> tweeted earlier about why don't you just take two-year quarterbacks and recycle them every single year? And I said, that's a genius idea because that's yeah. what I do. Um, yeah. I. The, the the Ben Roethlisberger's and the uh, Philip Rivers are my favorite quarterbacks this year, and I've got actually three rosters with those two quarterbacks on them, and that's because they'll score similarly to those guys. Here's the thing about the QB landscape. Patrick Mahomes is so good, and he's probably one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the league, and he's going to be for years to come. But everything that everything has to happen perfectly for him to become QB one again. It's just the smallest minute things affect that. The the smallest thing is the difference between him being the wide receiver one and the wide receiver six, which you'll still be happy with. But the thing is Ben Roethlisberger and Phillip Rivers might be the nine and 10. So what's the huge difference when you could get realistically if you're in a league that's going to draft Patrick Mahomes one one which is happening a lot in Superflex, then Devontae Adams would be going around 110. So you're talking you could get Devontae Adams and Phillip Rivers for Patrick Mahomes, realistically, if we're talking startup value. And let's say that Phillip Rivers is only going to score a point and a half less than Mahomes a game. That's a situation where you're making that move to touch on the trade that I did real quick is when do you trade those, those top name players? Because it's very, very difficult to get rid of those players, especially wide receivers when you could actually keep them for years running backs, not so much their career could be over in a second. I had Odell Beckham jr. Who I think is amazing and talent wise, he could be better than Nook, just maybe not stability wise. Um, I traded OBJ for Kenny Galladay, DJ Moore, Christian Kirk in the 103. I really like those top four. And that was in our league, Trade Addicts. And, you know, I didn't feel real good about it, but I don't think I would have done the other side either. I needed a lot of depth, and that's kind of the situation where you have. And what I did in that league, for reference, is I took a ton of first-round picks in our startup, and they were slipping farther than I thought that they should. And I said if I was going to take another league this year, I was going to experiment because I'm the type of dude that takes all the old wide receivers and all mm-hmm. the young running backs and tries to win every single year. So I'm like, the only way I can justify picking up another league is if I'm going to try something different that's going to make me a better owner. So what I did in our league, Shane, is I took a ton of first-round picks and tried to go real young, and that's the exact opposite of everything. But then I'm looking at all these first-round picks, and I'm like, dude, I don't have a team. you know and i'm and i'm gonna try to draft at least a a good bit of them because i never draft rookies either i go through the whole process every year and then i just trade them for veterans so now i'm testing another theory where i'm actually going to try to draft them maybe i'll trade them after that but i think that these these guys are holding value better than we thought that they did for a long period of time after you draft them so i think that there's value in taking the picks shooting your shots and then dumping them but dumping them early if you think that they're going to bust because Rojo, you could have traded him for almost what you drafted him for, for about two to three months there. So if you did see him in the preseason and not be stubborn, you could have probably recouped your 107, 108 value for the next year. 
So there's a kind of, just for reference, a, a kind of situation where, yeah, OBJ is a superstar, and I love having him, but if I can't fill a, a roster, let me take all these upside guys. Like you said last year, DJ Moore, he was my 106, which you had all those running backs, so a lot of people wanted to take Rojo there. And I had DJ Moore really high. I thought he was a perfect prospect. So, you know, DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay, not the biggest fan of him, but everyone else seems to think he's emerging, so hopefully he does. I mean, smarter people than me really like him. So well, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, there's the thing. I just shot, you know, took a bunch of shots. I like all the guys that I got in that deal. And if you don't even believe in Kenny Galladay, well, guess what? There's 11 other guys in this league. It is a 12-team, right? Yeah, yeah it's 12. I'm not the best at looking at rules or the Maybe. leagues I'm actually in sometimes. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could flip Kenny Galladay because there's a good chance that at least half the people in the league think he's the next big thing. I'm kind of on the fence with him. But, nah, I, I mean, look, I love OBJ, but to be able to get Galladay, DJ Moore, who I'm a DJ Moore fanboy, and Christian Kirk is a nice little piece. And then you said the 103. Right. And it's super flex, so you're getting either Harry or um, A.J. Brown. Right. So, yep. Uh, and know. I have the 101. Yeah. And based on your situation, the fact that you couldn't actually submit a roster, a mm-hmm. legal roster, yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So there's a situation where, yeah, it looks nice to see him, but what's it going to do for you when OBJ puts up 30 and – you have Kenny Stills put up four. Yeah, and you know what? And Barkley is even more of a sell in a situation like that yep. because, again, he's a running back, and even the best ones have shorter careers usually. You know, right. At, right. they're like rockets. You know, they just flame out um, five, six years if you're lucky. Um, you know, once in a while you have a guy like Ladanian Tomlinson. Sure. But, but again, he's a freak of nature. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, but you could look back and look at running backs like Priest Holmes, Arian Foster. You're like, you think these guys played forever, and then you look back and you're like, wow, they had like three like monster seasons, and then immediately died. Yeah, um, you know, like lower body injury kind of, after another. What's kind of scaring me is that. Um, so last year, I bought like every Lashawn McCoy share ever. And I tried to tell myself that he is the only show in town. There's literally nothing else that they can do on offense. So he has to be great. And I followed his uh, crime, you know, his crime documents all the way through to make sure that I wasn't losing my running back on seven rosters. And it turned out terrible for him. And I learned a very, very harsh lesson. Luckily, he wasn't too expensive in a lot of leagues. I think I spent the most I spent was Deion Lewis in a second on him. But I'm trying to learn my lessons, and I understand there's nothing that can happen to Saquon Barkley for him to not be a wide receiver or a running back one, barring injury. So I'm not saying that, but does it kind of scare you guys that he's kind of like what's the difference between the Bills last year and and the Giants this year in terms of function? The wide receivers are definitely better, but it's not functioning. Well, I think that difference is Barkley himself. I mean, he is that transcendent of a talent. Like, honestly, he might be, well, now he's a a veteran or, well, second-year veteran. But, you know, coming out of college, he might have been the best running back prospect in the history of football. That's what I said. People talk about generational talent, and then I know people would joke about it all the time during the season. But the guy actually was. Mm -hmm. Like, he is an actual freak of nature. I mean, you should really sell him if your team is garbage because – 
the percentages say it's, he's not going to last long enough for you to win. But God damn, that's hard to do. Yeah. Because if anyone's going to be an outlier, it would be him because he's already an outlier in everything else. Mm-hmm. So he's the difference. I mean, he, he, he scored five less points last year um, without Odell Beckham in there mm-hmm. because, you know, Eli would use him just to dump passes off and you could key on, on him. But even then, I think he averaged 20 points a game. So yeah. a 20 point week was a bad week for him, <laughs> you know, Which like that's, he's another level. That is the main difference. But even mm-hmm. that, I mean, Sterling Shepard's much better and Golden yeah. Tate are much better. And Evan Ingram's much better than anything Buffalo had over there. And I like Robert Foster. And what sure. He did. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I, I don't want to make a uh, one-for-one comparison, and I definitely am not saying that I ever expected anything near what Barkley did from McCoy. But just in trying to learn my lessons over the years, I think what I took away from me investing so heavily in McCoy is that the offense matters more to the running back than the running back matters to the offense. Now, I know having a running back as good as Barkley, which I definitely think – at least in my time playing, that he's the best rookie running back to come out of college. So, like I said, there's no way he won't be a running back one. Even You could play with one less lineman, and he'd probably still be a running back one. Um, But just having such a bad situation, think about Barkley. I mean, nothing anyone offers you is enough for him. And like you're saying, Shane, I think that makes him a sell. If literally anything anyone offers you – makes you want to reject it, I think that's that much more reason to get rid of them. Yeah, it's hard, though, because, you know, I had a lot of 101s either through trades or just earned sucking um, last year, mostly through trades, though, and I traded a shit ton to get them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this year I've gotten offers for them that I'm like, there's no reason to hit reject on this. There's no logical reason that I can come up with to hit reject on this and I will immediately hit reject. Like, no, you didn't offer me two like top five wide receivers for him. That's not enough. Yeah, and a one oh one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're lowballing me, huh? Devontae oh, yeah. Adams and uh Juju? No, not enough. No, I would never, never take that. And in twenty twenty first, never. I don't want any of that stuff. Now I guess to wrap all of that up Depending on where you're at and I guess what your situation is, going into the 2019 draft, what are you trying to do with some of your first round picks? You can get as specific as you want with some of your own with your own teams and whatnot, but give us your situation. Uh, let us know like what picks you're dealing with, whether they're early first, no first, and just a bunch of seconds. And so, what do you? What's your approach to this class? I mean, I think I'm. I think I'm like most dynasty players where I like to acquire my rookie or my running backs through the rookie draft. Mm-hmm. So this really kind of puts us at a disadvantage when there's two, I'd say two, three, maybe three, yeah, three. And yeah. even three, we don't feel comfortable with like, yeah. and I, you know what I mean? Honestly, none of these guys are slam dunk. Like we felt, okay. A lot of people thought about Leonard Fournette. And um, obviously Saquon, these are kind of guys like, well, they got to kind of fall in this right situation. And, you know, hopefully they don't end up in the wrong scheme. Um, So I'm really out of sorts there. But, I mean, one league, uh, UDPL, Ultimate Podcast Dynasty League, I think I got the acronym mixed up. But, um, like, I, I know I'm trying to make sure I at least get one of the first three picks. But I'm... 
I'm not going to overpay for it. There, there's right. years where I'll willingly overpay, like knowing like this probably is not a smart move. But this year, it, it certainly feels like this isn't a smart move, and I don't have the desire to do it. Mm-hmm. Just those draft picks outside of the the one four in one quarterback leagues, I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. In two quarterback leagues, you know, there's a little more value, but not a lot. Like, I don't want to be the guy that drafts Dwayne Haskins because I don't know that he's actually all that good. And, you know, scout or not scouts, but film guys say, yeah, no, no, he's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had one year starting. I mean, it's it's easy to look good one season. I do like guys that at least give me two seasons of starting so or, I can get a little. And you're throwing to Paris Campbell. Yeah, um, and McLaurin wasn't bad there, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah he looked good at his pro day for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm zeroed in on Kyler Murray at quarterback. It's him or bust. Mm-hmm. Outside of him, if I'm late in the first round, I got Drew Locke at one thirteen. Mm-hmm. You know, super flex. I can't pass on that. So I'll, I'll grab him at the end of the first round if he's still sitting there. Like Josh Allen last year, people were. He, floating around in the second round the Superflex leagues. Like, guys, you know we're playing Superflex. Like, what are you doing? I don't care if we don't like this guy. Yeah, Yeah, like this guy was a top 15 NFL draft pick. He's a quarterback. Like, the percentages say he's going to hit. I don't care if he can't hit the broadside of a barn. The percentages (laughs) say he's going to hit. It's the smart play. Well, if the barn's like a mile away, he could hit that. As long as it's a mile mile wide. Yeah, Yeah, it's a mile mile wide. wide. (laughs) It has to be a mile wide and a mile away because the dude has a cannon, but that's about it. Doesn't yeah. this kind of feel like one of those years? I, I guess, Chris, you might not have seen this. You've been very spoiled in your rookie drafts since you started, I might add. But does this not feel like one of those years where you're sitting at 1-4 and you're trying to trade back and people are like, no, nah, uh-uh. Like, yeah. I don't want to give you anything. I've had years, a couple years like that, and you're at the 1-4 and you think you're smarter than everybody else, and you're like, you know what, I can get my guy at 1-6. They're like, no, nah, I wouldn't give you – turkey sandwich to move up from one six to one four because huh. it's just so sporadic after one oh like you pick your flavor is pretty much what it feels like you know it's funny is i had my one rookie draft that was well now it's over a month ago at that point the hype train wasn't out of control on aj brown yet so i had the one one the one two i had like four first rounders because i had just blown up the roster the year before for a bunch of picks and, um, you know, so I drafted Harry at 101. And then 102, I'm like, well, I want A.J. Brown. This is who I want here. But no one else is going to draft him here. Like, they're not. They're just not. So I dropped up back, I think, to, like, the 1-4. You couldn't pull that shit off now. Not in a 1QB league. And I don't mm-hmm. think you'd be able to do that in a 2QB league. No. Maybe. Maybe if Butler goes 104. But, so, I mean, like, I guess 105 is just the line of demarcation. If mm-hmm. you don't need a quarterback and hope that the people in front of you need quarterbacks. Unless you love DK flexes. as well. You got to remember yeah. some, some people really do love DK. I mean, some people still have him as wide receiver one. And that's fine if you're not risk adverse. But um, so it could basically I'm saying he he's a huge question mark to me. So maybe it's a top five. But still, you're going to have so much trouble trading the 106 for the 108. You're not going to get anything out of it. I mean. Maybe a tw- maybe ask for a twenty twenty third if you know that your guy's going to be there. Like I can't even think of who you would even want there. Like a tight end. Say say you love Hawk and Fan. You love them both, mm-hmm. and you're at the one six, and you're like, you know what? I really don't want to pick between Hawkinson and Fant. I know one of these people is set at tight end. Let me trade back two spots and pick whatever one's left. 
that's something you can do, but you're only going to get maybe a third on top of it this this year. Yeah. I think I'm actually, as we talk, and I, I you know, we keep going through the names, I'm actually coming up with my actual draft board rankings now for yep. Superflex leagues. Yeah. <laughs> isn't involved in them. I just, I guess I'm not that impressed with them. But it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's like Mary, Harry, Brown, Butler. And then, yeah. then I'm going to either go Metcalf or Jacobs. And yep. it's going to depend on Jacobs. Landing mm-hmm. spot. If he ends up with the Eagles, well, first of all, he's probably not going to be there at that point. But if he lands up, if he ends up with the Eagles or Tampa Bay, then I'm going to be all in. Especially if it's in the first round, and you know, you know what? I think he's my new one, two, three, my new one hundred and four. Sorry, Hakeem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny that 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 you know I try to preach landing spot, but it's running backs. Landing spot does significantly matter for oh, absolutely much more than wide receivers but mm-hmm. yeah yeah landing spot could take turn him into my 104 or you know my 212 if he lands <laughs> with dallas you know what i mean or, so it's, yeah yeah it's hilarious mm-hmm. you could kind of say that 10 people matter for running back and, and two matter for wide receiver essentially unless you're doing some some pick routes or or anything that involves a setup it's essentially you and the quarterback, and then you and the corner, unless it's zone. But it, statistically speaking, it's far more reliant on the player himself at wide receiver than it is running back. That's why we can have this top three discussion right now, because yeah. we know what they can do. I have no idea what line that Josh, Josh Jacobs is going to get stuck behind. You know, it might be, you might want to puke or. Seahawks might just take them because that's all they do is take oh, running backs. God, and then don't. it's like, do I really want that to for Jacobs to sit behind Penny and Carson or Carson or whatever whatever order, you know? And then it's just like, uh, then you what do you you're if I have the one oh five and I was just watching the draft for Jacobs, I'm just not gonna watch any more of the draft after that. And that's something yeah. that can happen and does happen because so many players got bad landing spots last year. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, landing spot. Yeah, I try not to read everything in the landing spot because um, they do. The situations change very quickly, yes. very quickly. Um, it takes one bad season as a head coach for them to shit can you, and then yep. everything changes. You know, and even if you were like Phil Lindsay, you were in a good situation. Well, all of a sudden. They bring in a line offensive line coach who just happens to run a blocking scheme that you know better fits your 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 uh, competition, and the new coaching staff has no ties to either of you. So frankly, they're just going to you know whoever looks better on the field that's going to that's going to be who gets to play. Um, obviously, again the Zeke situation. You end up behind him, and I don't care if Jason Garrett's fired. Right now, and I coach the team. Yeah, yeah Z, you know, I'm still going to hand the ball. Yeah. yeah, unless you're blind, deaf, and dumb, you're going to go. Well, Zeke's touching the ball 90 percent of the time on rushing. Uh, yeah, it's just that's what's going to happen. Right. Man, so you guys I, are making me really question things. So now I got like Metcalf and Jacobs in the top half of my draft, and yeah. Marquise Brown might be in the bottom of the first. Yeah, I got. I, yeah. I just hope that the NFL draft does. Take it easy on me. I don't care about anyone else. Yeah. Just at least well, yeah, just make it give easy me the landing spots I need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You pick the landing spots, and I'm going to trust you to make correct decisions. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that I want to talk about is something that Ryan McDowell tweeted earlier, and he created a 
a graph that outlined the top 12 picks from last year and what their ADP has done per month to now. And I alluded to it slightly earlier. I'm going to have you touch on it, Shane. Basically, what I'm seeing in the graph is that the first few months that ADP was out on these rookies, they were relatively consistent regardless of what they were doing in training camp, regardless of what they were doing in the preseason. And then it made me think back to the Ronald Jones situation and how bad he was and all of the yeah buts. Um, I might have even been one of the yeah buts included. And I'm trying something different now. I'm trying to learn from that. And I'm going to say I'm going to give you a chance. But, hey, if you're not showing me early I'm going to can you and get your same value next year. Now, 2020 is so hyped up, you're not going to get your exact same value. Let's say for 18, you drafted Rojo at the 1-6. You might have been able to trade for a mid-2019 first. You're probably not going to be able to do that this year. But if you drafted um, uh, Miles Sanders to a good situation uh, in the early first and he's just not working out, you're going to be able to get that late 2020 first for him. So, are you trying to draft your your draft picks, Shane, and, and hoping they hold their value, or or do you just trade the picks before you have to worry about it? Well, here's the problem with any of the running backs you draft out of this class is the 2020 class is going to come and just absolutely destroy That's the a world. Hearing. Yeah. Um, so even if a guy's drafted, say the Eagles draft Josh Jacobs in the first round, and say he sucks. And they end up with another first round pick and it's high this time. Well, guess what? Travis Etienne's gonna be in the draft. So how safe is Josh Jacobs? And just extrapolate that by I don't know, what are we thinking? There's at least five to six to depending Swift, if they all Etienne, Dobbin, Benjamin looks really good. Yeah, and that's without even now. Obviously, a couple of those guys are going to fall off. Maybe some will stay in school, but then there's always the guys that pop up out of nowhere, out of San Diego State University, that sure. run for eighteen hundred yards, and you overdrafted the second pick overall, like <laughs> I did last year. Um, yeah, Boise State will put out another running back that we're all going to be mad about. So yeah, it'll happen. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's just in general too. For I guess league wide, even not even just rookies, but just any running backs, none of them are safe. There's like six running backs that might be safe, like. Marlon Mack, you better run for 1,600 yards this year because if you don't, uh, you know, Cam Akers is coming to take your job. Or, I mean, yeah, that's going to happen all over Cam. the league. Yeah. But usually, I, I, I like to make my picks uh, or hold on to my picks. I don't want to sell at a loss, especially at running back because they're typically going to hold their value. Sure. And then at wide receiver, you know, you got to give them a little more time. And it's, it's easy to get down on wide receivers because it's – I think it's harder for us to understand the wide receiver position. Like yeah. to us, it's just like, hey, go run out there and catch the ball. Like how hard <laughs> is that? We don't realize all the intricacies that go into actual route running and blocking oh, yeah. and the things yeah. like, you know, the coaches actually give a fuck about, mm-hmm. you know, they want them to run block and they will pull a rookie that doesn't run block. But you're just like, well, this guy can't catch a fucking ball. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas a running back, it just – it's easier to see and easier to understand, I think. You can look at it and go, wow, he missed that hole. Like, what, what the like, fuck? How did you do like, that? Seriously. Yeah. What were you looking oh, at? Um, you know what I mean? But so, I'll, And I like buying low on those guys, too, the high pedigree guys. You know, if someone's going to sell a day one wide receiver after one down season, hey, I'm here for it. If you're going to usually sell a running back after a down season and he's a day one, two, or three guy, 
or excuse me, a day one uh, guy or a round two guy, eh, yeah, I might buy him. Not this year because 2020 is a whole other ball, and that's going to be fun. Oh, yeah. And I guess I wanted to ask real quick. So even if you did want to sell one of your picks, uh, like maybe during the off season, you're hearing stuff at a training camp or whatever, how would you even approach another uh, another dynasty manager with that type of trade and say, hey, I, I'm trying to offload this guy onto you? How do you even, I guess, pretty up that uh, that type of offer without them looking at, well, you just drafted him. Why don't you want him anymore? I mean, I guess, how do you even approach making well, that deal? <laughs> Chris, there, there's always the, uh, what I did um, when Tyree Kill when it was speculated that he broke his child's arm, as soon as it came across Twitter, five minutes later, I said, Tyreek Hill's for sale. First offer. Give me a first. And someone said, I'll give you the 111. I'll throw in a second. And this was in the group chat. Yeah. Um, so I they, believe they, I walked yeah. up with an yeah, so some, you know, some pl- some situations, most situations, I'm not even going to lie to you. I, I, I'm not going to sell low on a guy that I actually want to keep. I I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but if I have actual hope for a guy, I'm not going to sell low on him. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm, well, and I'm not going to then use the bullshit method of trying to offload them on you. Cause I just, I gotta be honest with you. I hate when people do that to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they send me that, you know, page and a half thesis as to why th- this trade makes sense for me. Cause if I have to, it's like a joke. If I have to think about it, it it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so if you're going to send me a four paragraph article, why I should trade, for your 2018-111 and give you my 2020 first and second and why a bird in hand and blah, blah, blah. Like, I get through three words of that, and I'm like, yeah, goodbye. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I just don't do that. I don't have that bullshit mechanism in me like that. So you're going to have to ask another guy that's good at, like, a car salesman. They're yeah, because I, can, I can't do it. Yeah. So here's here's my thing about um, trying to get rid of the – and this is going to be my method because this is the – uh, strategy that I've chosen to adopt. Uh, last year, a Rojo fan would have still paid up for Rojo. They would have paid equal value for Rojo in the preseason because it's preseason, who cares, blah, blah, blah. But thinking back, he didn't look good, and I gave him all those excuses as well. It's a third-string offensive line, yada, yada. But he was showing us exactly what we were concerned with before we drafted him and I still drafted him in a spot and I, because I wanted DJ Moore there and I should have took him but I listened and I kept Rojo and now I still have him and, and so what I'm getting at is know your league so you know we go back to the notebook that's why you learn how to be such a great owner by just asking you smart people questions every week mm-hmm. uh, Leo's got his notebook I'm going to flip open my notebook and I'm going to say who loved Daryl Henderson. And when Daryl Henderson got sent to a good spot and didn't do great, I'm just going to go to the person that loved him. I'm not going to say I'm unloading him on you. Maybe I'm not unloading him. Maybe I'm not being patient enough. But like Shane said, I don't have patience for these running backs this year because they're going to get decimated next year. They have to succeed. It's going to be so hard to even take a running back that lands on the bucks because if they don't absolutely demolish their first year, which is so hard to do, they're going to get replaced next year by one of the seven guys that we listed off the top of our head without even thinking about it. Yeah. So, you know, we're already have those names almost in fresh, as fresh in our heads as this 2019 class. You can't be patient with the running backs this year. So what I'm doing, if I'm going to unload one of these guys, 
you really only have about three to four months based on the chart that Ryan put up with the ADPs before they started dipping. Now, a lot of them came back up. Ridley dipped a little, came back up once you saw he was going to score a ridiculous amount of touchdowns. Um, Kirk dipped a little because he took a while to do anything, went back up. Anthony Miller dipped, went a little bit back up. He's still right around what he got drafted at. Um, now those are wide receivers they are going to hold their value and fluctuate more. But with the mm-hmm. running backs, it seemed like you had about three months. So yeah. I would take, I would have a very short leash this year with these running backs. And after two to three months, I'm not going to go to someone and say, I'm trying to get rid of this player. Take, you know, give me the, the cheapest offer you've got because then you might as well have just waited it out. I think what I will do though, is try to go to an owner that I know likes them and if you've traded with me, you know that I'm just up front and I'm going to say, hey, I know this is your dude. Like, you have the patience for him, which you pay me close to value. And that's the only way I can see you getting it done. But, Ronald Jones, just because we keep coming back to him, because I can tell it hurts you inside. Um, <laughs> that's a case of where anyone that held on them or anyone that drafted them ignored all available evidence. You know what I mean? Like, there was literally nothing to point to and go, I mean, you could point to his tape in college and go, oh, I really liked him. Well, he didn't catch passes. And then, you know, he, he was drafted to Tampa Bay. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, it's a good landing spot. And then as soon as he got there, they were like, yeah, this guy can't even start in practice. Yeah. And even the coaches weren't, you know, coaches are usually glowing or at least it seemed like they moderately enjoy your company. Yeah. Um, and they, Cutter and uh, well, I think it was Cutter, Cutter, um, mm-hmm. basically sounded like he wanted nothing to do with him um, mm-hmm. after the first week of training camp. Yeah, at that point, it might be like, oh, this guy might be really testing my whole give rookies a little time because everything's telling me that he's not going to hit. But you know, look, we're we're all going to have those misses like that, you know. For sure. And we're going to get Miles Sanders, who only had a year of production because he was behind Saquon, but he looked really good. He's definitely more complete than Rojo was, but just as an example, because he's my um, – if you play spades, I've got two and a P at running back. I really like Montgomery. I really like Jacobs, and I probably really like Miles Sanders, depending on where he goes, but I don't think there's three landing spots. So Miles Sanders is the type of guy that this year, trying to learn my lesson, if he falters early, I'm going to try to just recoup value on him instead of wait it out and be patient like we try to do in most other aspects of this game we play. Shane, thank you so much for coming and sitting down with us tonight. I mean, there's been a hell of a good discussion surrounding the rookies, uh, the veterans, roster construction strategy and all that. Uh, But before we get you on out of here tonight, I wanted to give you a second to at least talk about any upcoming projects you have, things that the people should look out for coming from you. Uh, either before the draft, after the draft, off-season content, anything you got going on right now, man, it's it's your it's your time to shine. Yeah, so, you know, I write um, co-owner and writer, editor for Dynasty Football Factory. Um, I don't really have a set schedule on when I write things. Uh, part of the deal there is that I love is I just have the freedom, like, I think I want to do this, or yeah, I just feel like writing about this player because I really think they're going to do well. Like we have a making the case for wide receiver ones uh, that came out today. We did a whole series on the offensive positions. So I just, you know, it gives me the freedom to just literally write about whatever I want. Cause I'm, you know, the head of, con- I'm in charge of content. So who's going to tell me no. <laughs> um, and then obviously the dynasty trades HQ podcast, which is, 
I think my favorite thing, and I do that with uh, Madman, who is going to be hosting um, the Best Ball Owners Manual. Yes, sir. Um, and, you know, he's a great co-host, and I do that with my other co-host, Michael Sipes. And, I mean, of all things that we do, like, that that's, I think for all three of us, that's our favorite. And then I also write for Fantasy Pros. Um, like I said, just came out with an article today about selling my homes and why you should do it. It was pretty good, so you should read it. Um, and then one more thing is, um, you know, I've gotten back more in redraft and we're working on a redraft guide, um, for dynasty football factory, which is fun because I've never put together a guide before and uh, it's frightening that I'm going to screw it up, but hopefully (laughs) I won't. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll definitely have to look out for that and see how much you screw it up, but hopefully you don't. Uh, but otherwise, again, thanks for coming on tonight. Adam, before we get on out of here, do we have anything for the folks? Man, I missed this in the foreword, but it is very important that we are now the video guys at DOF. Oh, and yeah. I think, I think we kind of announced it last week, but we didn't really announce the capacity. So you've got all these fancy writers and all the people we associate it with every day. We said, you know what? We're not going to do that part. <laughs> Chris already writes at 1,200 different places. And I just don't really like to anymore i like to do this so we're the new video guys at dlf we're also going to have the podcast on the dlf family of pods and uh, also debbie owner's manual is coming with us dwight's a new writer there as well so you'll have the debbie owner's manual and the dynasty owner's manual pod on the dlf fam- uh, family feed and best ball owner's manual won't be on the DLF family feed because what we want to do with the best ball owner's manual is discuss so many other aspects, MFL 10s, draft, some dynasty best ball. We want to hit so many different markets that it, it can't just be dynasty. But the other two are definitely going to be featured on the family of pods. So I, I can't wait. I can't wait to get started. That's definitely a crucial one. And you can find me at APWILDE Go Caps. All right. And Shane, where can we find you at on Twitter? Oh, I'm at uh, DFF at. DFF underscore Shane, or just look up data don't score points. Oh, yes. Um, yes, and, and just so people know, I am not at all against analytics. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I owned a troll, um, and I took his hurtful words, and I've used them, and I forget that oh, word. I've appropriated them in a way yes. that makes me feel good. Um, and no, I'm just stoked, really happy you guys had me on. Um, and that's awesome. You guys are going to be on DLF. When 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 do you uh, when's your first podcast going to drop through the DLF family? It's actually uh, going to be on YouTube, but hopefully right. we can start next week. YouTube, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to have to you see our faces. See, unfortunately, see our faces all the time through DLF. <laughs> well, here's the good thing about YouTube. I don't know if anyone knows. You can open it and then actually just go do other things and not have to watch it and, and still not. listen to it. And I'm <laughs> yeah. not saying you guys aren't good Seriously, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> handsome gentlemen. I'm just saying. Oh, okay, thank you. I needed that deal. validation from you, Shane. Or if not, I was going to be pissed. <laughs> Fine. All right. So for Adam, for Mr. Data Don't Score Points, uh, I'm Chris Allen. You can find me on Twitter at ChrisAllenFFWX. We thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you all next week. 101 pick when it hits you feel no pain praying for the fantasy championship hit the books kid read this pamphlet called the dynasty owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic owner's manual it's automatic
Nasty. It's, it's automatic.